0: Welcome to Sexual Craftsmanship, the podcast that teaches you how to develop sexual confidence and become a better lover using a system of practice suited for dating and sex in today's world. No experience necessary. And now, here's your host, certified sex coach, sociologist, and mega-nerd, Sarah Martin. Hello, craftsmen.
1: How are you doing today? What a week already, am I right? I mean, I don't actually know yet. I'm recording this before we know the results of the elections in the United States. Though I reckon it's a pretty fair guess that things are a little bit topsy-turvy right now. So I remind you and invite you all to breathe and take it one day at a time, right? Otherwise... It's November, and November is a really important month to me in part because I always think of it as the month where we celebrate men. So in a lot of countries in November, we celebrate Movember, right, or No Shave November, which is a worldwide fundraiser for research into cancers that affect men. In the UK, November is also when Father's Day happens. And November 19th is International Men's Day. So with that start to the month, I, I quite enjoy it. I like that there is this time for reflection on the men in our lives that that mean a lot to us. and And taking a chance to celebrate and recognize men as men, and recognize the challenges that come along with being a man in today's world, I think is really important. So I've got a couple of things coming up I want to let you know about right here at the top, and then we're going to get to the juicy meat of today's episode. First, I want everyone to know that on November 17th, which is a Tuesday, so at 1pm Eastern Time in the US, I am going to be running a free masterclass. And it's called, and I think this is amazing, The Secrets of Quiet Seduction, A Proven Sex and Relationship Strategy for Introverts. And I will include a link to this where you can sign up in the show notes. And it would be wonderful to welcome many of you there. It's where I'm going to be taking you through the nine-step strategy that combines dignity and hedonism that you can implement in your life for immediate results, especially if you're an introvert. So if that resonates with you, do check the show notes for the link to sign up. And then the other bit of exciting news. On today's podcast, I am speaking with the fabulous Damian Dika, from School of Attraction, and we're going to be talking about everything to do with open relationships. And the exciting news is that today there's another episode going live over on the School of Attraction podcast featuring yours truly, me. So I also went on Damien's podcast to talk about dark sexuality, which is a fascinating topic. So once you've finished listening to this episode, please head over and check out the School of Attraction podcast. Again, links are in the show notes. And for now, today, I'm so thrilled to introduce you to Damien Dika and to share with you the conversation that we had all about open relationships. So before we dive in there, if you enjoyed this podcast, please tell a friend about it. And be sure to follow or subscribe to this podcast so that you never miss an episode. And now, without further ado, over to Damien and I talking all about open relationships. Hello, and welcome to the Sexual Craftsmanship Podcast. I am joined today by a very special guest, and I really couldn't be more excited to introduce all of you to Damien Dika, the head coach at the School of Attraction. And... Damien is a life coach, a business coach and a dating coach and he's also been a guest speaker at live events in 18 different countries. That's awesome and he's endlessly fascinated by human behavior and what I love very much uh, Damien what you said to me is that you come with the assumption that there's still a lot you don't know about human behavior. Is there anything else you'd like to add to your introduction?
0: Uh, No, let's let the content of what I have to say (laughs) give people an idea of who I am rather than the background.
1: Beautiful. So as, as a little bit of background from my side, I learned about you, Damien, through a conversation on Reddit. A listener had reached out to me and asked if I could create an episode about emotional vulnerability. And he mentioned you and he mentioned that he really liked this YouTube video of yours. And so I decided to do a little bit of espionage, right? A little bit of internet Mm -hmm. digging. And Damien, you, you bring such a rich mix of life experience and expertise to your work. And that is housed in the School of Attraction, right? Which has a YouTube channel and a podcast. And what I really liked about your work is you take this approach that's very honest, very empowering and also really practical. And that's what my listeners are looking for when it comes towards sex and relationships. So I figured today, together, we could answer a question that came through from a listener about open relationships. And I wanted to point out here, both Damien and I have lived experience with open relationships, and we also help people to navigate them in our professional work. So without further ado, the question that came through from a listener, he asks... I'd like to hear about long-term relationships that also have open sexual relationships with others. My long-term partner and I have been flirting with this idea, but there are so many people who say it's a bad idea and a sign that the relationship is ending. I tend to feel it's a sign we're open and honest with each other on such desires, and that's more healthy than pretending those desires don't exist." So, starting from there, I mean, Damien, what's your take on on this listener's question
0: i I actually really love the way that she ended that. I think that too many relationships i mean it's always been my take that a lot of relationships live inside of a fairy tale bubble of a relationship is supposed to mean certain things that that society tells us it means right So you get a lot of mm-hmm. couples who they have these feelings f- feelings like I'm looking for extra excitement or there's this person that I have a little crush on. It doesn't, I would, wouldn't ever want to leave you for, but I'm just feeling these things. and These are all really normal human feelings. And there's a fairy tale that says you're not allowed to feel those things. And mm. if you tell your partner, you're a bad person, even though you're sharing, you're being honest actually, and sharing very organic experiences, whether you want to act on them and be open or not. Those things to share that as a first starting point, I think is incredibly healthy, whether you decide to be open or not. So I really liked that end part there.
1: I really feel you on that communicating about this very normal part of being human. There's nothing in biology to suggest that when you commit yourself to a relationship that suddenly it turns off all of the things that attract you to other people That's just not how it works. And it would be a bit boring if it worked that way, actually, I think. What stood out to me in this listener's question though, is I'm wondering what they mean when they say open relationships because Mm -hmm. the first thing i thought is like well there are so many different ways you can go (laughs) about this if we're talking about the
0: realm of non-monogamy right yeah i mean open relationships are there is no yeah they're so different one is so different from the other we have a number of friends who are all in open relationships and every one has a very different dynamic They're all sort of various forms of relationship anarchy. I don't know if that's anything you've spoken about before, but they're all just various forms of, we want to do something that's really unusual, but because it's so unusual, there's no template. So we have to design (laughs) our own template. And everyone has to design their own template, right?
1: Even if you're following some general idea of a relationship structure, because you mentioned relationship anarchy, which is... I mean, it's a way to think about open relating that's less structured than some other ways to think about open relating. Could you actually tell us a little bit more about, in general, what is relationship anarchy?
0: Yeah, well, I mean, the idea behind relationship anarchy is that what most people have when they go into a relationship is this this societal template. And actually, what another way to think about relationships is boy meets girl. Boy and girl get into a relationship, but boy and girl first have a conversation about what does that mean to us what what would i want of all the smog of different variations of what a relationship could look like what is it supposed to look like you know is this a relationship where we're symbiotic where we live in each other's back pockets is this a relationship where we actually both really want to have our own space or have our own friends or you know there's a lot of there's a lot of dynamics not just being open or closed that a relationship can have and i think that You know that honesty, that 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 brutal or that very straightforward honesty about what we want and what isn't isn't working, and all that kind of stuff is. That's part of a relationship dynamic that I think people decide to have or should decide to have, but they never. They usually don't have that conversation before getting into a relationship. You know.
1: Well, isn't that interesting in a way? How so? Very often there's this unspoken script that folks start following when they get into relationship, and that. In my view, causes a lot of trouble down the line because mm. if you're never making explicit your desires or your agreements with each other, you create a lot of possibility for misunderstanding and hurt feelings, or in the longer term, right, sometimes resentment or anger and yeah. and it's it's interesting, right, coming back to this point, it sounded a little bit like you were describing a relationship escalator too. As, the other thing that popped into my mind that there's just this, I don't know, flow chart of things that you do when you get into a relationship, right? We all know this goes on, but we often don't name it as a yeah. society.
0: Yeah. I mean, my I mean, with my current partner, we we had a big problem with this. You know, we got into the relationship when we we're both like, yeah, honesty. Honesty is important in a relationship. But for my partner, honesty was I'm gonna tell you when I'm losing attraction for you, or I'm gonna tell you when uh when I, I'm feeling just having thoughts about another person or I'm going to, and for me, because I, I always, I just grew up with a template. My first response was, you're a horrible person for making me feel insecure mm-hmm. instead of, Oh, I don't like the fact that you're feeling this, but thank you for sharing it. Let's talk about how to amend this. You know what I mean? Like it's hard if, if, if you don't, I'm not on the same page.
1: Well, yeah. And I mean, I am I'm just imagining you in that scenario? I mean, what was it like? How'd you navigate that?
0: It, look, it was really hard. I mean, we, my partner and I have been to, together for 11 years and uh, mm. we were young. I mean, I was 26. She was 20, 20 when I met her. And so, I, you know, we everyone has a lot of growing up to do in relationships and we both brought unhealthy relationship dynamics we had from our family into the mix. And mm-hmm. trying to deal with that stuff was hard. I will say that we almost didn't make it. And I will say that we wouldn't have made it without working with a therapist uh, Mm -hmm. along the way. I'm a huge advocate of therapists. And actually, for the the person who who wrote into you about the open relationships, I I think I would never enter into an open relationship without the aid of a therapist along the way either.
1: Absolutely. I think there is really something to be said for getting that support. And part of it could be working together with both of with both you and your partner. Part of it can be the individual work, which I think is equally, mm-hmm. if not more important, a lot of the times. Yeah. Thank you for, for sharing your story. I guess what I'm thinking here is to maybe even wind it back to, we've talked a little bit about relationship anarchy. What are some other forms of open relating that you're aware of? Cause while you're absolutely right that Ultimately, you still have to design it, right? There's not a set template to follow. At the same time, I think it can be really useful to have an idea of some conceptual forms open relationships can take. One, the one that I have the most experience with is polyamory and a couple of different versions of that. So this idea of having many loving or emotional relationships with multiple people polyamory takes different forms as well. Some folks would consider relationship anarchy an offshoot. Some folks would talk about what hierarchical polyamory, which gets a bit of a mixed rep in the community. Mm. What other forms of open relating are you familiar with?
0: Well, yeah, I mean, you have it, I mean, I've I come across a lot of different kinds with a lot of I guess the people that we've met here. You know, you've got the swingers thing where we play with other people mm-hmm. but only together. Right. You know, and then you have the the more polyamory side of things, which you mentioned, which is more polyamory starts to get into more more and more emotions involved. Right, you're having multiple relationships and sharing complex relational dynamics with multiple people.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You've got you know my partner and I, for example, we're not quite down that poly path, but neither of us just wants random sex. Both of us want to feel connected with other people. So it's almost like having short relationships with other people rather than Mm -hmm. long drawn out relationships with other people. You have the dynamic that my partner and I have discussed in the past, but haven't acted on yet, which is maybe what we'll do is every now and again, we'll just go on a holiday to separate places. And while we're away, we have fun. And then when we're back together, we're, we're perfectly monogamous again. And I mean gosh there are so many variations my partner and I have played with and also met other couples who are actively engaged with as well. Then you've got rules, you know, sometimes some couples want a lot of rules. You are allowed to do this, you're not allowed to do this, and some couples have a long laundry list of rules. I mean for us that didn't work for us. We tried that in the early mm-hmm. days and we realized that we, what we really have to do is have a basic set of things, you know, for us it's it's safe sex. There's a lot that's on the table. And it's basically, if we haven't covered it and it does happen and it doesn't feel good, we'll deal with it at the time. But a couple of basic rules and outside of that, we discuss it when it arises.
1: The one that he just described, I've heard that called a postcode hall pass before. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The idea where you go to different places and while you're there, you can do what you want. And then when you come home, you're back to a more or less monogamous relationship there's also this don't ask, don't tell manifestation yes. of open relating, which I'm not a massive fan of. I know for some people it works for them, but that's where you, both you and your partner know that you're having sex with other people and you just make an agreement to never talk about it.
0: My partner and I did that. The first, the first time we had an open, the first time we tried it, I'm not an advocate of it now. Yeah. Um, because I, I guess, and this is non-judgmental, I just, I'm just speaking for us. For us, when we did that, it was because we didn't want to really deal with what was happening. So we're kind of playing a game of hide and seek with our own emotions. Mm-hmm. Not a great idea.
1: So I'm wondering, because the, the listener who wrote in was playing around with doing this within an existing relationship. And you've also got the experience of making that decision from within an existing relationship. What do folks need to know before they go down the path of opening an existing
0: relationship? Yeah, never do it to save a relationship. <laughs> <laughs> I It comes up a lot. You know, I see in different Facebook groups, someone asks a similar question. Should I be in an open relationship? And all these people jump in and say, no, it destroyed my marriage. And then you ask them mm-hmm. about it and the marriage was on the rocks and they thought they'd try an open relationship to save it. That's poor. Yeah. Anything that's wrong with the relationship is going to be highlighted. Um, yeah. tenfold to be open you, you you already need to be fantastic communicators and you already have to have to be able to discuss difficult things without it exploding. Something that I've said to clients before even is try my my partner and I actually did this before we jumped into the open relationship where now was we trialed for a couple of months just sharing when we found someone else attractive, just sharing mm-hmm. when we had thoughts about other people and learning to discuss that first without actually anything phys- physically happening. That was a, it was a good litmus, I think, because we couldn't have had those discussions earlier on in our relationship. We didn't have the stability and the safety and the, the communication skills to do that.
1: That is such a fantastic suggestion. What a great way to practice those communication skills before, I don't know, before the rubber hits the road, so Mm. to speak a strange metaphor um (laughs) from from my side one thing that I found really important during the period of my life where open relating was what I did is to really ask yourself do I do I just intrinsically have a desire for an open relationship is this something that I want on my own regardless of of anybody else in a way and i think why this is important something that i've seen both in my client work and also in the poly community where i was living is if you make the decision to open a relationship in part because there's a particular person right now that you really want to date but you just happen to be in a monogamous relationship that can be that can cause a lot more friction then, if you have a discussion with your partner when you're not actually interested or looking at anybody else at the moment and just say, Hey, I've noticed this about me. This is something I'm interested in. This is something I desire. Is this, you know, how do you feel about it? What would you like to do? I think that that intrinsic motivation, that desire for this form of relating is really mm. important. It, does that make sense in a way what i'm saying here
0: yeah hundred percent actually what you said that i actually really 100 agree with that i think that i think the reason why you want to go get into it is more important than than even the dynamics of it the advice i'd give as well is you need to really trust in your gut your partner's incentive for wanting to be in an open relationship yes yes um the first time we tried it my partner wasn't in the right space emotionally. She was going through some stuff growing up as a woman and in, in many ways she was coming to terms of what she actually wanted in life in general. In in a very mm-hmm. subconscious way, she was questioning the relationship. And I didn't trust it. And I shouldn't have, you know, if I should have listened to my gut. Something doesn't feel right. Cause then you you talk it through before you engage. And I've seen that a few times in the past where either the man or the woman is like you kind of said the motivation something is is not pure sounds sounds like the wrong word but i think i think yeah. you know what i mean don't you
1: yeah it's it's not so much about purity but that there's no hidden intent where the yeah. intent is very clear and mm-hmm. and if the intent is i'm curious or i want to explore or i think this might be part of who i am and how i relate to the world is very different than I'm talking about, Hey, maybe this would be fun for both of us, but actually I've got this massive crush on somebody at the gym and I really want to act on it. Yeah. But without saying that. Right.
0: Yeah. But, but I think sometimes it's subconscious. Sometimes it's not Mm. because in your example, that's much more obvious that there's a deceptions, maybe too harsh a word, but there's there's something, there's a something covert happening, but sometimes it's, it's behind that person's conscious level but you can always feel it when there's something going on that doesn't feel right. I think you always feel it in your partner.
1: Yeah. That, that gut check
0: mm.
1: method, I think is really important. And for some folks who maybe aren't as, you know, cause I can already hear in my mind, some of my listeners saying, yeah, but how will I, how will I know how to feel it? And, and this is, this is sort of a, Again that sense in your in your gut is a good way to put it that something doesn't feel quite right here to pay attention to that doesn't necessarily mean exactly this is what's going on but that sense from inside that something's maybe not quite right i think it's really important to listen to that as you go through any form of relating open or otherwise
0: yeah and i think that's actually become a very good so one of the things that happens between my partner and myself now is we will have an experience with someone else, whether that's a sexual experience or uh, or just a date. And when that person's talking to us, we've both had moments where we'll say, I feel like there is more. There's something else. What's happening? Mm. And that it isn't said from a space of, of insecurity. It's said from a space of oftentimes what we've found we do is totally not on purpose. We... Either we, we hide feelings or thoughts. It's kind of almost a subconscious thing of actually no, I want to express that I really had fun with this person, but I mm-hmm. I was trying to downplay it. All these little things that we've learned to actually gut check each other quite often and because neither of us is purposely trying to deceive, at least that I know of, neither us, nothing bad has happened in the last this year since we've been back at it. And but really, gut-checking each other has become a really amazing way to go much deeper into the relationship because we're learning things about each other that you normally don't. You normally don't share because it, again, those relationship rules. I kind of put up my inverted, fake inverted commas when I say that, but it gets in the way a lot.
1: Yeah, and and thank you for for sort of calling out that it's often not intentional, right? but mm. our guts can help to elicit maybe the things that aren't immediately seen. I'm curious a little bit about your relationship rules or, or principles or methods like what is your approach? because I'm wondering how this can tie in to sharing with listeners sort of some of the things you really need to know before you pursue non-monogamy and how is that working for you now and a bit more of the specifics? So you gut check each other. Mm. What else do you do?
0: Well, I mean, we, we see a therapist regularly every mm-hmm. sort of couple of weeks, which is important because it really helps to, he acts as a translator between anything that, anything that doesn't feel right or anything that, that we're struggling with. Because to say that I'm in an open relationship, I don't, I wouldn't say that I have mastered open relating. Uh, I think Mm -hmm. that us as a couple, we're still learning how to make it work for us. We've decided that's what we both want, you know, but we're, we're still learning as we go. And so there is a lot of that. I think that there's also been one of the things that we've learned to grapple with, and you'll have to bear with me because I've never spoken to anyone apart from my partner about this. Okay. But one of the things that we've learned to grapple with is this notion of When you get into, an like when you're in a situation that's scary, like an open relationship, one of the, at least my default, and I think a lot of people's defaults is to fall back when they feel afraid of trying to exert some form of control, Mm. Um, to have a whole, like a stop switch or to have a, to control in some way. It's what we do when we get frightened, you know, and our emotions come up. And one of the things that we have learned has really helped us a lot, interestingly enough, has been to... Try to learn to avoid language that tries to control the other person. Like, you're not allowed to do that. Don't Mm. do that anymore. I don't like it. As opposed to, this makes me feel this way. What are our options? Learning to communicate. It's funny because whenever we got into conversations around stop doing that, you're not allowed to, those conversations would always go down a path of becoming, not necessarily a fight, but becoming a, a place where you're both locked off and not really hearing each other anymore. Yeah. And that I've found has become really important because, I, at least for myself, some people are very okay with their partners being with other people. My partner feels very little, she feels insecurity, but a lot less than myself. And of course, some people out there are much less secure than I am, but I feel it. And so, yeah, being able being in those situations where you're kind of blocked off from each other, not able to communicate anymore, that can make it really hard. And ever since we've been able to communicate that better, we have a lot fewer of those moments. But also we, I mean, as soon as someone comes home from being with someone else, we have a good talk about it. There's almost a debrief at the moment because we're still in the learning phases about learning to take care of each other. So there's like a full debrief at the moment, which I think you don't ultimately want because it feels like it makes every encounter a little bit complicated.
1: Yeah. And and uh, what you said, what stood out, this learning to take care of each other and the importance of communication. I think this is really, really key because it's you brought up some memories from my own experience. So in short, for for everybody listening, I first I was married, then I was divorced, and then I would have identified as polyamorous for three years. And then I stopped and went back to monogamous relating. So I've had experiences around the whole spectrum and monogamous relating. I'm once again married, though I'd say that this time it was a conscious choice for both monogamy and marriage, whereas the first time around I was really young and very much just following a social script. Mm. But coming back to this point of... Taking care of your partner, because I think where it can, and taking care of yourself, I think where it can get complicated, because you mentioned about gut checking, and I love that because listening to yourself is absolutely essential if you're going to be pursuing, I mean, relationships generally and open relationships in particular. And it can get a little bit hard to discern sometimes, right? If you're in a space where you're feeling perhaps a bit insecure or afraid. You know, your gut is going to be saying, hey, something's going on here and there is something going on there that you need to pay attention to and differentiating between uh,
0: how to express this. Well, my partner created a, I don't know if she created it, but she brought it to the relationship the, well, how she explains it being in your child or being your adult. And
1: oh yeah, the transactional analysis. Mm-hmm.
0: And so, when you're in your child, um, is when you can't really communicate effectively, and you also can't trust your gut when you're in a your child. Mm-hmm. You can trust your gut when you cut when you're in your adult space, but when you're in your hyper emotional space, your gut is very unreliable. Then, and so we have learned we've she and I have both gotten quite good at asking each other, wait, are you in your child or your adult right now? We've gotten quite good at checking because oftentimes, if it comes from the adult, pretty much every time our gut is right. But when we're in the child space, it's frequently being a little neurotic.
1: Well, and, and the other thing, and thank you for, for mentioning that I can include a couple links in the show notes to, to this framework, but it's, it's also that care and intent and kindness where that's so important is because another thing that can happen, right. Is maybe you are feeling a bit off in relating with your partner And you go to express that and you can also wind up doubting yourself and saying, well, hey, am I just being afraid right now? Am I just being insecure? When actually there is something going on there and and open relationships aren't a reason to just dismiss your partner's emotions or dismiss your own emotions as, oh, that's just jealousy or, oh, that's just insecurity. Like it's important to care for them when they come up kind of regardless of what they are, in a sense. Does that resonate at all?
0: Yeah, yeah, of course it does. I mean, the difficulty is whenever, I mean, a feeling is never invalid. That's the problem. Right. And I have seen that in open relationships, sadly. Often you are open relating couples. Sometimes what happens is it becomes a bit of a gaslighting or a bit of a you shouldn't feel insecure right now. Right. You know, as opposed, okay, you do, let's, let's help you with that because that does happen. I think I think you're right. I think you always need to have you need to know that it matters to your partner. At least that's what it is for me. It's not so much that it's not my partner's job to fix me, but it it is important to me that I know that it matters to her when I'm struggling mm, and vice versa. Yes.
1: That makes I I'm just again reflecting on my own experience that makes such a qualitative difference to to just how it feels inside of a relationship that it matters to me that you're having this experience, even though it's not, you know, I'm not responsible for it, but I do care about it. And and I think we're, we're talking a lot around how communication really is at the root of relationships in general, but it's even more important in my point of view, if you're moving down the, the path of open relating, and especially if you're pursuing something like polyamorous relating, where there is more emotional entanglement mm. as well because in my experience anyway the more people that come into your network the more relationships you're nurturing at once the challenges aren't additive right they're kind of exponential the volume of <laughs> it's really hard to describe if you've never been in in say like an open relationship network or a polyamorous network before you think about the the typical struggles that you might have within a relationship, and then you imagine that happening on three parallel tracks at the same time, but with slight variations, that communication is essential there.
0: Yeah. I mean, I mean, I've never been in a in the, the more polyamorous style relationship, but mm-hmm. I've I mean, I've I've got a close female friend and she's been in a situation where she's been in the middle of an argument with both her husband and a boyfriend. And yeah. it's devastating. It's devastating. And so I've, I've seen that, how complicated and how emotionally turbulent that can that experience can be.
1: Yeah. I'm just kind of nodding here. <laughs> or you have one partner who's going through exams and they're really stressed. You've got one partner who's having a massive stress at work and you have one partner who's had a family member who just died. and And then it's sort of how can I be there for all of these people while also caring well for myself and maintaining my own boundaries for myself that's another thing that comes up for me is that it's not so much about having a rule book but it's about having boundaries and when I've spoken about boundaries before on the podcast remember boundaries are for you and your behavior and not for other people and I'm just wondering how do boundaries factor into your experience of open relating
0: it's a good question. Um, we we are, interestingly, I think we are lower on boundaries than most okay. open relating couples we know. We generally more try to operate on the, on the premise of, you know, if we've discussed it before and we have a game plan, then okay. But otherwise, it's all open. We've tried to leave things as open as possible and not create boundaries. It always We try very hard to have the conversation of, this is a thing you want to do. How can we make this work? How can we make this okay? How can we navigate this? And I think that's driven in part by the fact that my partner is particularly, particularly struggles with boundaries, or I should say that the part of her that engages with open relationships is much more her little child. And so creating boundaries is, is makes life much more difficult for her emotionally when she's in that space, if she's in that space. And so we've learned to operate without boundaries in the same way or to more operate around trying to get what we want, finding a way to get that met rather than just putting up clear-cut boundaries. But I think you were talking about something slightly different when you asked the question. I realize I feel like I've gone on a tangent there.
1: Uh, It's because it was interwoven together in a way. (laughs) Uh, Because in that example, right, and and that's something that's actually more or less happened to me before when I've been – in my my previous poly network, that having multiple partners who I was emotionally involved with, that I cared deeply for, all having crises at the same time. And, right, we, we often have this assumption of, well, assumption of and desire for within our relationships for that emotional sharing and emotional support. And where I was coming from with boundaries in this case was you know, a boundary I set for myself is that my spoons. So I don't know if you know about like this idea of talking about spoons that I can't give more than what I have. And it's important for me to also care for my my energy, my emotional energy, my just physical energy. So what happened in that case was having to be clear with folks like, okay, I'm available to help in this way. I'm available to support in this way but I also need to, you know, I can come and be with you for an hour, for example, that's Mm -hmm. maybe what I've got today, or I can hop on the phone. But like, I also need to protect my, my energy, my emotions, my boundaries. And so not so much rules for behavior, as as it is, these are my limits of ability and my limits of toleration. And then there are hard boundaries, which is more like, you know, I won't accept this. And, and this is kind of where I end things like that would be, you know, like I had pretty strong boundaries around sexual health, for example.
0: No, I, I, I get it, actually. I, I think that's massive. And, and actually what you're talking about, the, the boundaries that I guess that the context you were talking there is I think that's my personal weaker area um, mm. in a relationship because it's, it's the I mean, my partner and I will call it being selfish. It's critical to know when you need to be selfish and how Mm. selfish you need to be or to take care of yourself. And in the relationship outside of being open, I've learned to be very good at it with my partner. We're very good at saying, I have nothing right now. I need alone time or I can't, I've got nothing to give you in this moment, but I will have time for you tomorrow and for that to be okay. In the open relationship context, I'm not so good at A, looking after myself and my Mm. needs uh, in, in, in the space of if she has needs inside of the open relationship, and I'm not so good at being told I don't have space for you right now. It's one of the things that I'm getting better at. But I but yes, it's critical. I, I agree. It has to be there. I think it has to be there in an open relationship because I can either give more than I've got to give and then I'm resentful of my partner and it creates right. ongoing problems because I've given too much and I got I haven't looked after myself. And on the flip side, I've tried to pull my partner to give me more than she's got to give. Mm-hmm. And that also creates trouble. And I think it comes down to being able to self-nurture. For myself as a child, I wasn't good at self-nurturing. I've always had someone there to nurture me and look after my mm-hmm. troubles. And I think that self being able to self-nurture is actually a really critical skill that I'm still getting better at, but I think it is a really critical skill for both parties to have, as well as knowing how to be selfish.
1: And as well as having an expanded network of, of people who aren't romantic partners that you can also go to to, to share with, right? Because this is something mm-hmm. I often see with people generally and often with men specifically is, you know, once within a, a romantic or sexual relationship, they, they start having their partner as their principal outlet for emotional support or to lean on and to, to ask from. And I think what I've seen happen with folks in inside of open relating or polyamory is, you know, that tendency can be really... Subconscious in a way, sometimes like you might not even realize that ah the main person I'm going to about my emotions is my partner, and if you then have again this network effect where there's lots of different people involved and where some days your one of your partners might not have anything to give, and that's because they've got to replenish themselves before they're able to be present for you, it can be. I think even more intensified in that situation than it is in say a typical monogamous setup. Mm. I'm just wondering, what do you think about that?
0: Yeah, I agree. I think it's, it's really important. And I'd like to add to that as well by saying one mm. of the hard things to do sometimes is to find, to find friends, to find a network who is is non-judgmental about your open relationship situation. Yep because there are a lot of people who have baggage around this stuff and mm-hmm. if you're trying to turn to them for support but what they really have is a chip on the shoulder and wanting to judge your partner for something they've done when they haven't really done something wrong but because it's you know it hits a nerve oh that woman mm-hmm. did that to you i had a woman do that to me once what up b-i-t-c-h you right it's easy and that that's not helpful because that's right. not the support you need you need someone who's okay with open relationships who's because there's a lot of judgment actually um yep. around this stuff for men and women in different ways but I've 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 seen a lot, especially on my YouTube channel, like a lot of really big judgment guys saying to me, you know, how could, you know, what a weak guy. How can he let his partner sleep with other women? You know, or blah, blah, blah. You, you, there's a lot of it. And I think that a lot of people hold that stuff, even if they don't say it to you, it's below the surface. And you need a quality network of friends who really get you.
1: Yeah. And there's there's lots of great places you can look. The wider poly community or mm. polyamorous community where I was living was I mean, in a way, it's, it's wonderful. And then also spending a lot of time because it was really massive. I lived in Warsaw, Poland, which is kind of the last place you'd think would have a thriving polyamorous community. And they do. So that's the other thing is, like, have a good little look on the, the Internet to see what's going on around you. You might be surprised about what is actually in your area in terms of communities that have some connection to open relating and spending so much time with these people who who by and large became my friends like for a little while I even forgot that like uh, actually <laughs> actually in like quote-unquote normal or typical society this is still unusual so those times where I would face judgment at, at some point it was kind of like wow really like people are still judgy about this but you're absolutely right and and I think it stems from just like you said, like it triggers something in other people or reminds them of an experience they had or brings up sexual shame or sometimes for mm. folks like brings up jealousy and envy, but they don't want to say that sometimes you can get the strongest reactions out of people where actually this is something they really desire to do, but they have no idea how to accept that desire.
0: Yeah, actually, I think, one of the experiences I've had when looking for people, because you—it uh, sounds from what you've said as well—your history is more around the poly community, and I think a lot of uh, one of the experiences I've had, at least in my area, but I've heard that it's the similar in many other countries. My advice is when you're looking for support people, people understand where you're at. Join, even if you're just in more the sort of the open relating style stuff, not the the full on poly um, world join the poly communities before you think about say the swingers and the the open relating groups because i've found that the poly communities on average tend to be in a much more emotionally developed space and there's a lot less judgment and a lot more open mindedness for all different kinds of open relating um it's just been something that i've re- i've noticed um that i've had much more support even though i'm not in a full poly relationship i've had much better quality support from the poly community than i have from the open relating community which has been interesting
1: Yeah, I mean, you can also oftentimes find really great support within BDSM and kink communities, too. Because there's often an element of openness to to many, but certainly not all BDSM and kink relationships. And and what unites those two communities, what they definitely have in common, uh, BDSM folks and polyamorous folks, is communication is super important (laughs) in both Mm -hmm. of those setups. And Mm -hmm. kind of knowing that you're human and you will struggle with communication is it you go in and nobody thinks they're a communication expert, right? They all know that this is something that's important. It's a process rather than like anything where there's an end state. You never really become a master. You're always a student. Mm. That's a very healthy way to look at developing these skills, which in those particular contexts become way more important then than they just would be in average day-to-day life. Though importantly, if you're thinking of going and meeting your local polyamorous or BDSM or kink communities, approach them with with decent etiquette, right? Please don't go just because you're looking to hook up with people. Go because you've got some genuine interest in meeting people and contributing to the community. That's something I want to say just sort of up front.
0: Yeah, although I think if you... I think if you approach those communities, because those communities are good with boundaries too. <laughs> You're yes. good with communication, yeah. also very good with boundaries. And I think you'll you'll meet some boundaries quite quickly if that's the mindset you bring to the table as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's part of why I'm giving the the disclaimer <laughs> and the warning in advance, and also because I don't want all my kinky friends saying, "Hey, <laughs> stop sending us people who are just looking to 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 hook up, right? That don't yeah. actually have any interest in 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 what we're doing." I think one other thing that's really important to consider if you're looking at open relating in various ways there was a saying that we often had inside of the polyamory group which is that while we would consider love an unlimited resource that time is not and I think getting good with time management skills is really important and I'd like to know your take on that
0: yeah um honestly it's one I haven't thought about too much outside of, I will relate something that I'm not sure is what you're getting at, but it hits right on the time problem, at least for us, which mm-hmm. is that for myself as, as a guy, meeting people generally takes longer than my partner as a woman. And we're both very busy. And, you know, one of the things that we've found is that I think a lot of couples need to be aware that guys can be slower to meet partners unless you're going specifically to poly groups and that kind of thing but out in the wild mm-hmm. so if you're especially when you're being honest as a guy being honest with with women saying look I'm in an open relationship and this is where I am at and it's a it is a trickier road for men to navigate at least in my experience than for my partner and I, it's one of the things i hear a lot about new couples to open relationships is when Respect isn't given to the to the time differences or the the ease, mm-hmm. the efficacy with which people can meet partners. It can leave guys feeling very inadequate very easily in open relationships. And new couples often don't expect that to be a thing. I know that's not quite what you were getting at, but it's when you mentioned time, because outside of that, it's because my partner and I run a company together, and so mm-hmm. we've always had our priorities: of company comes, uh, relationship comes first, company comes second, our open relating fun comes third. And so it it always takes a back burner. And so when we jumped into an open relationship, it took us both quite some time to really act on it with other people just because Mm -hmm. time was always not our friend.
1: I love that you brought this up because I think it's also really important when you're thinking about going in this direction for the first time, that in a way it's like adding on, it's all of the struggles that come with dating plus the additional struggle of saying and I'm in an open relationship, or, right. and I'm in a poly relationship. And and I would say that that kind of goes on both sides of the spectrum, too. So you've pointed out the very important point that, yeah, it can, for men in particular, sometimes take longer to find dating partners, hookup partners, additional poly partners, that that can take time. and And it's interesting sometimes in sort of heterosexual dynamics like how how much of a shock it can come sometimes to the the woman partner when suddenly because their partner hasn't found anybody for a while and then all of a sudden they do it's kind of like there can be this delay to the the emotional impact that it has anyway that's kind of going a little bit deeper in the other side of the spectrum being is that if you're If you identify as a woman and you're looking for additional male partners and you're looking for the emotional connectivity as well as the the sexual connections, if you're in a polyamorous setup, it can get really frustrating, right? Because Mm -hmm. you can just like if you were dating as a single woman, you'll have plenty of people who are like, yes, I would love to hook up and finding the folks that are like forming an emotionally intimate relationship and you've got additional partners, I, I think this is a really important thing to to make mention of, that it, it's making the decision to go into open relating is really only the beginning. It's not like you decide it, click your fingers, and all of a sudden the floodgates open and you're just surrounded by sex and love. Like, <laughs> it, it takes effort, and there are challenges yeah. that come with it.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I'm I'm someone who's very... Very comfortable meeting people, very Mm -hmm. comfortable being single, meeting and like flirting with women and that stuff. It's part of what I've been teaching. It's part of the whole, you know, I'm a very confident guy. I can joke and laugh and flirt. And and yeah, and it was a surprise to me because the second I bring up open relationship, it just complicates everything. And I don't want to lie. I don't want to be playing that game. I, I don't need more drama in my life and making the world the worst place. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it can be a shock and it was a shock to me.
1: Yeah, I I think there's part of what goes with that, like, again, just reflecting on on some of the relationships that I had previously, there's kind of an education piece that comes with it, Mm -hmm. because as you're learning for yourself what it means to be in an open relationship, you're also then often communicating this outwards to potential partners as well. Because as we mentioned before, a lot of people have this charge around like open relationships. something horrible happened to my friend. And you mentioned it's often because people are trying to bandaid over other issues that are already there. And that's the absolute worst thing you can do with an open relationship and taking the time to say, well, what this means to me or what this looks like for me or how this works with my partner and I. And this is how I see it. And this is what I'm doing. That often goes a big part of the way to reassuring people. I think it can get really or where I've seen people struggle is right where they just say it front like I'm in an open relationship and then they leave the other person to make whatever their assumptions about what that means. And if those assumptions are grounded in some of the things we've spoken about before, you oftentimes can wind up with these negative responses and pushback.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But it's been interesting what I've. I mean, the it was a lady, right, who wrote you. No, this is a man. Oh, it was a guy who wrote you, was it? Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Because what's been interesting to me is that he may have friends who has to have told him that they're not, they think it's a bad idea or they've done it before and then tragedy. But 80% of people that I speak to about it interpersonally, just, just in my day to day life, are fascinated by it. A lot mm-hmm. of people. They love the idea. Don't know if they could do it themselves, but they're fascinated by it. They they like the concept, um, male and female alike. And I think that the fact that he's thinking about it, I think that it can feel like you're really fringe, but actually, I, I think most people are very, very curious about it, whether they act on it or not. Most people are very curious. Um, oh, yes. You know, way more than people realize because it's, you know, it's kind of this closed off thing, right?
1: Yeah. And and I think part of what's helping, too, is that open relationships are becoming more visible in media. Thank you, Netflix, for (laughs) all of the original series that feature gender, sexual and relationship diversity, because I think that's showing people that actually, yeah, this is in our societies and our cultures and let's make it a bit more visible. I'm wondering, so kind of as we're coming closer to the close here, is some of the the highs and lows, right? So we've taken a bit of a journey through experiences and what you need to know when you're considering an open relationship. And I'm just wondering, like, what's been unexpectedly awesome about all of this for you?
0: You know, one of the really, I mean, two things. One is the trite thing, which is actually my partner and I are much closer than we were mm. because we talk about much more personal, deeper stuff than I think you end up talking about in, in a regular relationship. But... What's been really fascinating is that when you're single and you go and you meet someone and you have this experience, you talk to your friends about it, sure. But it's very different, or I've experienced to be incredibly different to come home and talk to my partner about it. Because what happens is that we end up talking. You know, I may have this experience with this woman that's relatively innocuous, but in talking about it in depth with my partner, I really start to learn about. Me in a much deeper level. I know it sounds strange, but because my partner wants to know, she wants to learn about me and how I really experienced that event. And I've learned a lot more about myself and my partner than I ever could have done without being in an open relationship. You know, even if I was having these sexual experiences alone, it's just that that afterwards, talking about it and relating as a couple. I don't know. It's been really amazing. The, The things, the dialogue, the discussions it's created between us have been pretty epic at times and that that was unexpected one. I didn't see that coming, if I gotta be honest.
1: Yeah, that's I think there's something to the to that you really do go on kind of an epic voyage of self-discovery if you decide mm-hmm. to go and approach life through open relationships. And for all sorts of reasons, I think in part because it makes so many of the implicit assumptions about what relationships are it makes them visible in a way that they're just not ahead of time and you have to go on this process of inquiry because you wind up communicating outward right you you're sharing in in a way that you wouldn't do in serial monogamy or just casual dating and there is something powerful to building that knowledge about yourself and and also helping others building their knowledge about themselves i think that's kind of a qualitatively different element and I mean from my side what what I just loved about my my polyamorous life was I think just such having such a rich and connected network I mean I've never felt more connected to not just the the partners I had but the wider community the wider structure some of the best friendships of my life grew out of this experience and I mean oftentimes (laughs) when when polyamory is going great it's amazing thinking of one of the most amazing relationships that I had where that partner's partner and her partner and her partner's two partners like we would get together for movie nights and (laughs) it was just so additive because I got to spend so much more time around these really awesome people by, by virtue of this relationship that I was having. And, you know, while the challenges can multiply with open relating or polyamory, some of the the love and the connection and the good stuff can multiply too. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, very much so. I think, yeah. I think that for me is something that I, I, I guess I was looking for, and my partner was looking for going in.
1: Mm. And it, you know, you you make the effort, and you do the self work, and you do the communication work. There's there's a lot that goes into reaching that point, and then when you get there, it's like, oh yeah, <laughs> this is what this is this is part of what the the yearning was for. Yeah, and. As we're coming to a close today, I'm wondering, Damien, what would, what would you like my listeners to take away from, from this conversation? What would you like this listener who, who brought us this wonderful question to, to take away from today?
0: You know, for me, the takeaway is that there is no correct answer. When someone asks, should I try an open relationship or shouldn't I? You know, the answer is, it, is, it works well. It has a lot to offer. There is a lot to be gained from it. There is, it can be scary and it can be difficult. And not every couple is in the right space to do it now. And the answer may may, may well be now is not the time, but perhaps it's something to work towards. Or so the answer may be now is the time. But there is no correct answer. And the only way to know if it's correct for you is to ask some some serious questions, to have some really good conversations, and then potentially to just start taking some steps forwards it can be very rewarding as we've sort of talked about it. It it can be very confronting, but if you are someone who goes through life with a mindset of, I like growing as a human being, I think this can be an amazing experience. If you just want the experience without having to do the growth, I think you could be in a lot of trouble.
1: Yeah. That is a really great way to put it. Actually. I kind of feel like that would make a great t-shirt except maybe it's a bit long. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much. Damien, and I'm, I'm just wondering what's coming up next for you. Have you got any interesting projects in the works for folks to keep an eye out for?
0: Yeah, I'm, um, I'm starting to work really heavily on dark sexuality, so sort of the more shadow work side of sexuality and, 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 and sexual expression. I'm starting to get really heavily involved in that, especially for men, because mm-hmm. there's a lot of shame. It's, it's very difficult for a lot of men to, you know, maintain to either overexpress or underexpress their sexuality. And they're not doing mm-hmm. so from a clear, healthy space. And there's a big yearning for it. Every time I do videos on it, um, it goes gangbusters and people go go a bit crazy. And so I'm I'm really starting to work on that area. So you watch this space, that's where I'm that's where my passion has moved, I've gotta say, into that area. So yeah, watch that space for it coming up soon. Mm-hmm.
1: Fantastic. I shall remain curious and can't wait to see more. And and could you just let everyone know how they can learn more about you? How can they get more of this fantastic knowledge.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So check me out schoolofattraction.com just to see that's more of the dating coaching side of things. But look, any of your viewers are welcome to reach out. You know, if you've got questions, if you'd like to talk to me some more at uh, Damien at schoolofattraction.com.au. I'm always happy to, to field basic questions or we can make some time to chat in person as well.
1: Beautiful. Thank you so much for, for coming and joining us over here at Sexual Craftsmanship, Damien. I have really enjoyed this conversation today, and I will be back with everybody right here next week.
0: Thanks for listening. If you want to jump right into the sexual craftsmanship process, head on over to sexualcraftsmanship.com backslash friendzone and download your free guide to avoiding the friendzone for good, including five exact scripts you can use today.